Welcome to the TikTok podcast sponsored by Tourette Ottawa. Listen in as your hosts Jimmy and Brandon discuss everything Tourette syndrome. You can show your support for the show by sharing it and most importantly, spreading awareness about Tourette syndrome. Before I jump into introducing today's guest, I want to remind you that the cure for Tourette syndrome is awareness. And the best way to do that and simultaneously support this podcast is to share it. Spread the word, generate awareness. You can send us an email at tiktokquestions at gmail.com. That's T-I-C-T-A-L-K questions at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for us to discuss on the show. And remember, the TikTok podcast is available on YouTube in video format. So tune in at TikTok podcast on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TikTok podcast number 14. It's just me today. First solo podcast. Take a sip of my coffee there. So on today's episode, there's a couple of topics I want to address. By the way, it's me, Jimmy. I am the uh, one of the co-hosts, Brandon, and I had some scheduling conflicts this week, so I'm just getting this one out of the way. A couple of topics I wanted to discuss on this podcast that I've been thinking about and browsing online. It's a very common problem for people, specifically parents and young adults with Tourette's, have problems focusing, they have an issue with structure, and they have difficulties with discipline in their life and in their child's life. So the importance. <laughs> The importance of living a structured life uh, for people without Tourette syndrome is already paramount, right? You need to, if you want to, generally people who are successful are, are rather organized, um, conscientious in their approach to how they structure their day and uh, their week, their month, their year, and they put their attention uh, in a directed They put their attention in a in a direction such that they have a focus and a goal. So when I was much younger and growing up, I didn't have much much structure. There was a lot of free time, which is absolutely necessary, but there are also massive advantages to having a a daily something you can rely on daily in your life, whether it's the time you wake up or the time you exercise, the time you have sports. This is very difficult for most people to achieve in their life. Uh, but once it's done, it can be very beneficial for productivity. This is for the, for the average person without Tourette's syndrome, for, for productivity and, and sleep and stress, all things like that. Coincidentally, people with Tourette's syndrome, when their sleep is worse or their stress is increased, their Tourette syndrome goes up. So I always say that I'm, I feel lucky that I have Tourette syndrome because it gives me a good barometer for when I'm under too much stress or when I have too little sleep. I can, I can generally tell because I'm, I'm, my tics are a little bit worse. So the importance of living a structured life uh, as it pertains to Tourette syndrome is, is absolutely key. The way this can be achieved um, I've talked to many parents uh, with kids with Tourette's and uh, talked to many people with Tourette's and they find that when their tics are at their best, 
are generally when they have a, a daily routine that allows them to know what's coming and anticipate things. This is not 100% doable for everybody, but having a, a wake up time that you can set every day, having a, this is probably one of the more important things, having a, an exercise or a sport that you play day in and day out that you can count on being there every single day. So this is generally better kept to something that is not seasonal. Um, if your child plays hockey or football or baseball and you live in Canada, their season is, is in the months long and it's not year round. So having a, a augmented thing that you can do year round, like whether it's walking or running or weight training, something that you can do essentially in a doorway. So it doesn't matter where you do it, but you know that you always have that on your schedule. It just provides that it's almost like a, a layer of protection because you know that if, if you've listened to this podcast and, and you've done, done some research on Tourette's syndrome, physical activities is absolutely essential for somebody with Tourette's syndrome in managing their tics and managing your physical angst as it pertains to Tourette's and ADD. So when you are ticking constantly and when your schedule is unpredictable, but you know you have this thing that you can do to pretty much guarantee. I haven't met a case where physical activity or sport doesn't help the person and I haven't read a case where that happens. It's everybody with Tourette syndrome that working out and physical activity helps their ticks. So when you, when you find something that you enjoy and that you can count on to reduce the symptoms of your ticks, it's like a superpower. It's very, it's very beneficial. It's like a, what everyone wishes medication was for their Tourette syndrome. So I'm just going to, I'm going to leave the physical training piece aside and say that if you're not doing that, whether you have Tourette's or not, but especially with Tourette's, if you're not doing physical activity, you are leaving a, you're acknowledging readily that you are not doing everything you can to mitigate your Tourette's syndrome. So exercise. The next aspect of the structured scheduled lifestyle for Tourette syndrome <clears throat> is, so, so we'll, we'll take health out of this and the importance of um, taking control of your day. So be, living a less reactive uh, day. So for, for parents, especially when, when your kids are in school, this is pretty easy because um, you can predictably say that your child has school from this time to this time. They have two hours before and eight hours after, say, six hours after. And with that, you can work with chunks of time. When they're young, you can make the schedule for them. When they're old, <clears throat> they can have more say on that, but less reactive time and more structured. You know what you're doing at X time. And so whether it's an instrument or playing with friends, doesn't have to mean like ultra disciplined from seven to three, we do school and then four to eight, we study and then eight to nine, we play a guitar and pray. But it's important for them to be able to anticipate uh, what they're going to be doing. 
the reason that is the case is because people with Tourette's syndrome tend to be higher in anxiety. And if you're high in anxiety and you have Tourette's, you tick more. And then those two things work off of each other. And then the only thing that can reset a spiraling out of control, especially particularly younger person with Tourette's syndrome is sleep. And uh, when, okay, I should say, it's not the only thing, but it's one of the only things. If you have an established, this is what I'm going to get into next, but just as a caveat, if you have an established method of dealing with your tics, you can effectively stop that cycle in its tracks. But jumping back to it, managing, it's almost like maintaining a pressurized chamber. There's a, 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 a pressure relief valve that if the pressure gets too high, the valve starts going off and it releases some of the pressure in the, in the cylinder of the chamber. And if the pressure is too low, then whatever gas is in the chamber is not at the right chemical uh, mixture compound. And you need to maintain that pressure. So it's, it's you need to maintain a certain level of structure and, and uh, activity. But then if it gets out of control in terms of the amount of activity and it's unpredictable and specific, then it can lead to uh, an excessive amount of ticks or an excessive amount of anxiety, which shortly thereafter will be followed by an excessive amount of ticks. So this is something I, I deal with and I have dealt with it for my whole life. Uh, I wish I had the knowledge that I have now about terrestrial when I was much younger. Uh, I would have been able to implement a strategy that was much more effective than the ones that I had. Because when I was when I was younger, my my approach to to mitigating my Tourette syndrome was either social isolation, which in turn would calm me down because there's no I, I'm just in front of myself so I can tick, or it was holding it in an internal suppression, so it was a very uncomfortable angst feeling. Nowadays, I, I'm consider myself very lucky. I'm one of those cases with people with Tourette syndrome where I've essentially grown out of my tics. And if you if you met me on the street, there's a good chance that you wouldn't even know, you, were, you wouldn't even guess that I had Tourette's, unless you have Tourette's, because people with Tourette's are very good at, at scoping us up, scoping each other out. Um, but back, back then, you know, reflecting now and discussions with my parents and my family and, and uh, my, my fiance and my friends, you can see the commonalities between the times where my Tourette's is good, when it's bad, and when it used to be good, and when it used to be bad. And, and when I lived, was during hockey season, for instance, my Tourette's was generally better because almost every day we were playing hockey, we were skating, practicing, getting up early, physical exercise, hanging out with friends on a predictable schedule where I didn't, I wasn't stressed out because I was enjoying hockey and I was enjoying the hangouts with friends. And my takes were, were under control. But then when school was out and when hockey season was out and say it was for me, I played a lot of sports. It was like between hockey and baseball season and school was out. Well, during that time, 
there were tick outbursts and that's when I would notice like almost a level up. So from the ages of about 10 to 14, my Tourette's went on a, on a linear progression upwards. So it was trending to the getting worse from, from that period of time. So 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So that five-year period up to 15, when it sort of started to become a little bit more manageable every spring which was after an in-between sports seasons and in-between school, my Tourette's would level up and I would get a new tick or a new violent, um, you know, shoulder tick or um, I would grunt and my anxiety would get worse and I would almost further, further socially isolate. So with that knowledge now and looking back, you know, I've spent the last six, seven years living a, um, a very regimented, structured life and in adulthood, been able to find something that works for me. And I will just say that you have to grab your life or if your child is too young <clears throat> to do this themselves by, by, by the horns. So that, what that means is taking control and then using <clears throat> the knowledge that you gain from observing their ticks and, and them observing their ticks to tweak and change the lifestyle. This is the same thing with diet and um, physical exercise and sleep, but it's just exacerbated with threats. I always say that to people whenever I'm talking to somebody who has threats that's new with it or um, trying to explain threats to somebody, it's like everything that's important in a regular healthy, productive, happy life is amplified, you know, a few times when you have Tourette's because the consequences of living a non-disciplined or a unhealthy life are that you tick way more. And there's a direct correlation between basically for people, people to respond differently. Some people can, I'm sure, eat very poorly and, and not take as much. But for me, uh, if I eat a bunch of sugar or my diet is particularly bad or a bunch of alcohol, my takes get worse. And that's like a, a, a guarantee. I know I know when I open up a bag of Miss Vicky salt vinegar chips that my Tourette's is going to get worse from it. <laughs> so it's it's a nice consequence, to be honest with you, because it forces me to eat healthy. And so I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that where it is um, on the, on the side of living an important, the, the importance of living a structured disciplined lifestyle and um, taking control. And by that, I mean, making changes and being observed, like observing you can't rely on a doctor that sees your child once every four months to tell you what to do and how to do it. You, you know, the reality, that's the same thing with the GP. Like if you're going to see a regular checkup, you know, you have to exercise. You don't, you're not waiting for your doctor to tell you to do that. With Tourette's, you know what ticks are bad. Uh, we had a uh, Dr. Brazo on, Dr. James Brazo, who uh, used the term tick buster. And you know what your tick busters are. And your tick busters aren't just ticks. They can be other 
forms of tick management, but you need to take control or you need to empower your child to take control of Tourette syndrome in order to effectively manage it. Quickly to touch on the comorbidities and how this can impact. So this is where my field of expertise starts to go down. So I'm going to keep it short. I definitely have attention deficit disorder. Uh, and it was something that I dealt with extensively growing up. Everything I've said previously in this podcast applies to attention deficit disorder. Obsessive compulsive disorder, that's a topic for another day. We, we can discuss that with Brandon or somebody else with obsessive compulsive disorder. I don't feel qualified to talk about that. So overall, the importance, if you take, uh, quickly, if you take anything away uh, from this brief episode, the importance of structure, discipline, and taking a, a mechanics or an engineer's approach to, to your problems where you, you're recognizing that, okay, you know, this is causing a lot of stress. I'm not going to bank on the eight-month appointment, uh, the eight-month away appointment with the neurosurgeon and just buy my time until then. You need to take it into your hands and effectively work on a strategy that can help you manage your Tourette syndrome. And I think this applies to Tourette syndrome in any, any severity. So whether you have a tick or 300 ticks and you're extremely vocal, a good example uh, of, of somebody who manages their Tourette's in a productive fashion would be Kyra. We had Kyra on a couple episodes ago. And when she was talking about her work and how her work effectively allows her to get in the zone and not tick. I've talked about my strategies and there are lots of ways of doing it. There are plenty of ways to skin the proverbial cat, but the only way for you to do it as an individual, and because I can't talk to everybody, you have to you have to experiment and you have to know that the same things that like if you're not already living a healthy lifestyle that would be your first change 100 percent. it can't there's no way there's no two ways around it no no medication or uh, cognitive behavioral shindig <laughs> that's going to get you away from the importance of living a healthy lifestyle, sleep, diet, exercise, routine. That will be the biggest trendsetter or a positive trend towards your Tourette syndrome and tick management. All right, that's it. I'm going to wrap it up now. Have a good week. Happy Monday. And thanks for listening. Another great episode of the books. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to share it. We have merchandise available in the form of t-shirts with lots planned for the future. You can head to Tourette.ca or Tourette.org to find your local chapter in the Canada or the United States. And you can email us at TikTokPodcast at gmail.com if you have any topics, comments, or questions for us to discuss. Thanks for listening.